Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Happy hump day team, happy hump day, halfway there. Uh, central point in the working week, Henry Ford of course famously invented the uh, five day working week, eight hour a day, absolute bastard of a man. Arguably, um, you know, these uh, these debating schools, you know, never had, never had nothing like that when I was wee. Huh? Children should be seen and not heard. Seen and not heard. But mum, the bad man, da-da-da-da, hush now, child. <laughs> but the bad man, mummy's taking away all the... No, no, no. <laughs> Children should be repeat after me. She did not hear mum, but listen, the bad man's taking all the... <laughs> Father McGonagall's shagging all the... No, no. She did not hear I can see you, therefore you're safe. The fuck off. It's wild. Man, it's wild when you when you think, in in my lifetime, which so far a short lifetime, thirty seven years on this earth, thirty seven years, fuck all, there's whiskey older than me. The uh, the attitude, the approach towards children, changed drastically. You know, from the concept of seen and not heard to now, you can't can't be unseen, and we want to hear everything. Seen and not heard. That was the approach. I was talking about this the other night in Paisley. Uh, shout out again at Paisley, man. What a gig. And uh, when I was young, I fell out of my mum's car. I was small, man, right? It was about the size of a pea. It was wee, you know. I want to say five, maybe even four. I don't even think I was at school yet. I was small anyway. And I don't know if even if child locks were a thing. Now, I don't remember, like, obviously, you know, at that point as well, in, in the uh, in the 80s, the late 80s, uh, mental health never existed. Uh, you know, people were 
I've been depressed for years. Um, but obviously, especially in Scotland, mental health issues wasn't a thing. You know, you could have stopped somebody in the street and said, "Do you understand what depression is?" They'd be like, "Is this a sign for Rangers?" Is it a Catholic or a Protestant? They would not never have known. And not that I'm saying I suffered from any mental health issues as a child. Uh, I want to make it perfectly clear I wasn't trying to take my own life. I don't remember fiddling with the handles. Uh, I don't know when child safety locks became a thing. I imagine it came from Volvo, as all safety measures have. Now, I don't know if there was a pandemic uh, in Sweden at the time with young uh, Swedish children launching themselves from the uh, back end of a car. I do not know. But I know that we uh, we banked, I think is the uh, technical term, the racing term, banked a corner at a relative speed of uh, 15 mile an hour plus. And uh, the car went left and then the young gibble went right. I, like I said, I don't know if I was just leaning in the door. You know, health and safety then was not a thing. Cars were like replaced, literally replaced the, hor- the horse and cart. It was to get you somewhere. It was not a status symbol. You didn't stick things on it. As far as modifications went then, it was fluffy dice. That was it. So I don't know if the car was prepared. I know that I never had a child seat. I mean, I had a seat to sit on, but it was a yellow pages and a tea towel. That was your child seat. And we turned left at a, a rate of knots, and I just I just rolled out the car. <laughs> like a fucking all, like a Michael Bay Hollywood movie. I just rolled out the car. And obviously being young, you know, fragile, uh, a child under the age of seven, what, he's, he's you know, your body's just jelly, you're not, you're not fully formed yet. I just tuck, tucked and rolled, classic SAS training, and uh, like bounced off a wall, you know. And uh, the healing hands of your mother, uh, it doesn't matter what's wrong with you, you know, you could have skinned your knee, you, you could have your femur poking from your, your leg. You could be bleeding internally. But if your mum rubs you and says you're a big brave boy, uh, you know, suddenly everything's fine and we carried on well day. <laughs> carried on well day. couple of things to take for that. She never changed her route. She never thought, I maybe shouldn't go that corner. It's quite a severe turn. What if that happens again? No. You know, you've got to learn fast as a child growing up in the late 80s in Scotland. You've got to learn to adapt, you know. You've got to learn. That's where that's where the probably the world has changed, right? For the worse. If there was a corner which we banked aggressively, and that's the only way you can go. Now my mother knows that there is a high chance her child will be thrown from the vehicle at some pace. Either injuring himself, potentially killing himself. But she's got no option. She's a busy woman. She's got to get her wains to either the grandparents or the nursery or the playgroup. She's got to get to work. She's a busy, busy woman. She's not got time for thinking about the safety of her child. So she's a word with the wain and she says, listen, remember that time you fell out of the car and you, you skint 90% of your body and smashed your massive heat off that ball? Well, listen, here's what's going to happen. We're not changing the route. So see, when we go in that corner, you're going to have to brace. You're going to have to grab onto a seatbelt, an armrest, something. And the chance that that door flings open and tries to suck you out, you need to brace for impact. And that's what we did. Whereas now, you would have been taken off the road, the car would have been impounded, there would have been some kind of internal investigation, I imagine, on behalf of the family. It would have been posted on social media. She would have been hounded for being a terrible mother. Social services would have stepped in. I could have gone into care. I might not be here doing this podcast. So I would say sometimes we just need to toughen the fuck up, you know? We just need to toughen the fuck up. I don't even know why I was talking about that. that had, I mean, I mean on Sunday at the gig. Nothing to do with the show. Just popped in my head. That time I fell out the car. Anyway, how are you? Safe and well, I hope. Um, what's been happening, man? Too much doom and gloom. Too much doom and gloom. I was trying to find a, a joyful story to talk about the day. Something that's happening in the news that might bring us a wee bit of hope for the future. Absolutely. Fuck all. Although I did find uh, a story about a CIA otter, which I shall share with you uh, later on, which is absolutely spectacular. Um, Tory party conference going on. Which I'm trying to think, is that's probably like the World Cup for for Tories, um, the Tory party conference. Uh, you may not take much interest in any of the political party conferences that are 
going on currently going on labor obviously had theirs uh first uh the tories currently having theirs at the moment uh i imagine the lib dems will be having theirs in a weatherspoon somewhere um when they get the six on together <laughs> i don't know what's going on with those fucking numpties uh smp have not had a party conference um i actually don't think they're having one because you know sturgeon likes to bang the drum of it's still covered and we shouldn't be doing stuff like this anymore but uh, nothing much is, is happening at the moment in the world of news. Very much locked down, so to speak, other than slight stories that have been dripped out or obviously gone mad about your gas and electricity at the moment. Um, I don't know where you are in the world, in the country. Currently freezing in Edinburgh. Absolutely fucking Baltic. Uh, normally, I'd have the heat blasting. But I am determined not to lose this battle against the fucking energy companies. I saw a thing the other day, in fact I read it for once, I thought I'm going to actually read an article here trying try and expand my knowledge. 250%, now listen, let's let's go back a, a few steps. Each year, your gas and electricity will go up, right? It goes up and down. They, they don't tell you about it when it goes down, we only hear about it when it goes up. And it goes up throughout the year and it goes up throughout the day as well. That's why you get canny people doing their washing at fucking two in the morning. You know, setting alarms to get up. To turn on a tumble dryer at half past four, because that's when the fucking the unit price is a rock bottom. Now they can sleep in the house on a Sunday because your ma's up doing fucking eight loads of washing at quarter past two on a Sunday morning. <laughs> You're young, thinking my mom and dad dead boring man going to bed at ten o'clock on a Saturday. That's because your ma's got to get up at fucking three a.m. to get eight loads of washing done when it's fourteen pound a unit. But the price of gas and electricity. Is it gas and electricity? Now I'm stopping myself here, Gibble, right? Let's say um, energy, let's go energy, right? Energy price rises UK 2021. Now I do know that the um, the figures that are bandied about the north are 30%, right? So it's saying that your energy bills, which is gas and electricity, could rise by 30% through this winter period into 2022. But the real figures you have to look at are the start of January. So since, since, since this is when I start getting excited and I can't speak, since the start of January 2021, your energy prices have risen 250%. Let me just say that again for you. The cost of energy has risen 250% since the start of January. Now, Without going into great detail or to which I don't know much about, all of this is doing to things like Brexit. Yes, it's doing to COVID, it's doing to the way in which the Russians control the pipelines, it's doing to the way in which gas prices per unit are calculated, it's doing to which in prices in which gas is moved across the world. A lot of this is due with the French. There has not enough been said about that, and I know that we're trying to uh, you know, keep ourselves in the good books with mainland Europe, and nobody really wants to... Everybody who is a, a Remainer... Certainly doesn't want to start turning England like you know maybe maybe I'm not thinking we were right to leave Europe but maybe you know the French are cunts maybe we should just agree on that maybe we should just agree on that. Twenty years we spent in Afghanistan for what? I still kind of buy heroin and boots. What was the point? Eh? What was the fucking point? If I could walk down to my local butcher chemist and buy government-sanctioned heroin. And I said, you know what? That war on terror was worth it. We, has anybody got an Airbnb in Kabul? I don't think so. What was the fucking point? So how can we now all sit down as a country at the G20 or the G43 or the G47 or whatever the fuck it is and say, right, listen, what are the problems here? The price of coffee is going through the fucking roof. I'm potentially paying £10 a jar. That can't happen. My gas and electricity bills are mental. I'm going to have to start burning my rubbish to heat my house. Who do we have to invade to bring those things down? Maybe that should be the future of warfare. Right? I don't care if you're harbouring terrorists. I really don't care. I don't care if you're, if you're plotting to, to blow up parts of America. I don't care. I don't care if you hate the the West, if you hate, you know, capitalism. I don't hate, I don't care at all. 
Let them be. Leave the fuckers alone. You know, or have a pair of balls about you. If they fucking start up again, get fucking trident on the go. Fire it up. But somebody has to sit down and go, who do we need to bomb to bring down our gas and lecky bills? That should be the future of war. What do we want? Right, we have a government, we have a government poll. And we say to people, make a list of things, things, that, are important, things that are important to you, right? Housing, uh, gas and electricity, council tax. Who do we need to murder at the council to get the council tax done? Honestly, think that see see if you pay council tax and you don't get your bins lifted, I think you should be able to go down to like the clinic and and punch a binman in the face. I think that should be. I think we need to bring violence back into day to day life. So we make a list of what's important to us as a country, as a nation, as a people, and uh, then maybe there's like a, an extra wee you know a wee uh, a wee wish list you know underneath. And if you could have anything at all, what else would you like? A penguin! You know? And we think, right, listen. See, while we're at it, uh, we surveyed the country, 54,000 people says they would love a penguin. See, when we're out there, bombing, uh, destroying countries, taking infrastructure. Keep your eyes on for any penguins, right? Because there's quite a few people asking for them. I don't know. Things like that. Then we bring it to Parliament and we go, right, uh, we've surveyed the country and they want, uh, you know, the original recipe I brew back. And the uh, the cost of gas and electricity doing plus the price of coffee, and then we 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 get six months. We form a plan, and we go right. We're going to have to take on the French, the Russian, and the Colombians. Well, like, fucking here we go. Make it happen. Bring it down. Two hundred fifty percent since January. And listen, this is this is the the, the division of the haves and the have-nots. That's what's happening. One of the problems we've got in this country, being in Scotland, I know there are some people who listen to this in England. Listen, there's people who listen to this in uh, New Zealand, in Australia. What's the league where you are? The problem we have here is that we are dominated by the English press. So we hear things like social care costs going up, Disney affect us in Scotland. We hear things about gas and electricity prices. We don't know how it's going to affect us in Scotland. We hear about the fuel shortage. It's not really affecting us in Scotland. Certainly not the way it's affecting the southeast of England. There's talks about people having to plan now for Christmas. And we'll talk about the Christmas adverts in a minute. There's talks about people having to start planning Christmas just now if you want to have what they are describing as a normal Christmas. Again, not really affecting us that much in Scotland. So we're kind of living in this weird kind of simulation where we all feel doom and gloom because we're told how fucked up the country is but in reality we're, we're not really living in that country it's a fucking mental situation so god knows what's going to happen with the um the gas and electricity i, I like most of you you will turn your heating on you know wash your clothes do your cooking watch your telly whatever it is you need to do and not really be conscious of your energy bills when they come in because you will have an understanding of what your bills have been in the past. So God knows what's going to happen when the next one hits. Energy bills could rise as much as 30% next year if gas and electricity prices continue to soar and more suppliers go bust. Uh, apparently there was another energy supplier uh, on the brink of closure the other day. 250,000 customers it has. Uh, going back to the government and I think off Gem, in order to find them a new supplier. Uh, the research firm uh, Cornwall Insight is forecasting that the energy price cap set at a record £1,277 a year from October 1st is going to have to be significantly boosted in spring 2020 as the energy crisis continues. However, I mean, to be fair, the Tories have said they will not budge on the energy cap. How long they can withstand that position for, I don't know. The firm expects energy price cap to be put up by about 30% uh, to about 1660 by the industry regulator. Ofgem has said that if gas prices rise or stay at such elevated levels, it will have to push the price cap up when it is reviewed 
on April 1st. Now, these are the important things to take from it, certainly when it comes to figures, because you'll see things promoted like 30% increase potential rise in 2022, and that percentage, that 30%, is an increase to the price cap. That's not an increase as to what you've been paying because, like I said, from the start of this year to now, the cost of energy has gone up 250%. Who do we have to fucking kill? Is it Macron? Do we need to go over there? Do we only go in the Eurostar and batter the fuck out of Macron with macarons? Is that what we need to do? Wholesale gas and electricity prices continue to reach new records, successive supplier exits during September and a new level for the default tariff cap. The great British energy market remains on the edge for fresh volatility and further consideration. Uh, said Craig Lowry, a senior consultant at Cornwall Insight, nine suppliers have collapsed in recent weeks, a tenth yesterday, after finding themselves unable to maintain price promises in the face of soaring wholesale gas prices. It's predicted that more could follow. I do love these businesses that go bust, where they they are they will promise people a a cap on their price, and usually per unit, uh, possibly per year, uh, and and sway you from another supplier, so you will move over. And then when the price rises, and they are no longer able to meet those initial. Uh, contract agreements, they simply cease to exist. They simply go bust. Now, if the shoe is on the other foot and you are unable to pay your gas and lecky bill, or whether it be your rent or your social housing or even your mortgage, dare I suggest, through a, a global pandemic where you possibly lose your job, are you able to just go, listen, I'm really sorry, but I've actually gone bust, so I will not be paying that. Thank you very much now. No, you cannot. The tens of millions has been made in profit by energy companies in the UK over the last 10, 20, 30, 50 plus years. The discussion that's happening just now in, in Parliament about certain bailouts for certain industries, sometimes I find it quite difficult to, to swallow, as what she said, because I am concerned that a lot of business and a lot of industry that is currently on as they talk about the, the brink of disaster or the edge, disaster has not hit for many businesses. Many it has, and I'm talking more of, you know, international business, global business. I'm not talking about somebody who runs a cafe or somebody who has, you know, a family-run run pub for the last 100 years. I'm talking big business. And these companies will have enjoyed tens of millions, hundreds of millions of pounds worth of profit in years gone by, you know, pre-COVID. And there is never a discussion of living within the means or reduction in profit. They all want to maintain that level. If if a company was coming to me as PM and they'd recorded profits of, you know, 10 million plus, you wouldn't be getting a fucking penny off me. You wouldn't be getting a penny off my government. There'd be no bailouts for banks. There'd be no bailouts for Fortune 500 companies. You'd be taking that profit You'd be paying your employees and you'd be continuing to trade. And if you trade at a profit of £5 for the next 50 years, you trade at a profit of £5, there's still profit. You've still paid all your salary, you've paid all your tax. You've made a fiver, but you've made a fiver. This is not like you going to your work and be paid £5 for a year's worth of work. There's salaries on top of this. This is a problem that I have with some of these businesses that are talking about being safeguarded ring fence, you know, bailed out again by the government. There's never a discussion of what past profits have been, where that money has gone, future investment. That's one of the problems with the Tories, man. They look after their boys, you know. Uh, and a separate warning, the founder of the green energy supplier, Electricity, get a better name than that, said, uh, said it doesn't make sense to have a retail price cap but not a wholesale one and accused the government of killing energy companies right now. Dave Vince told BBC Radio 4's Today programme, it's uh, illogical to hold prices at one end of the supply chain and not at the other. And the natural consequences is companies going out of business. The government currently has closed their eyes and ears to this 
It says they don't care, they're not going to help energy companies, but this kind of misses the point because they're killing energy companies right now. Again, who do we have to invade to bring down the energy prices? Grimman. We've just come out of fucking COVID here. I'll tell you something else. See all you bastards that have been building fucking wank sheds and, and beer gardens and they bought me your fucking back gardens. You should have been putting some of that sweet furlough money away. Eh? Beefies, you and the wife sitting in the house four grand a month furloughed up to your fucking tits. You should have been swindling some of that away for these high energy prices that are going to hit us. Oh... We're gonna we're gonna go back, man. We're gonna go back and we're gonna we're gonna forget recycling. We're gonna go back to burning our waste in order to heat our homes. That's what we're gonna be doing. Every single new home that is built should be built with a working fireplace, so that families are able to burn all of the debt letters that they get in order to heat their homes. That's how the energy firms can help us out. None of this paperless billing. Make sure. <laughs> Make sure they send you at least five debt letters a day, county court junctions, writs, legal letters. Send as many, if there is anybody listening to this who works for an energy company, when you are chasing us in the winter months, send as many physical letters as you can in order that your customers can burn those letters to heat their homes. That is how we get through this energy crisis. <laughs> Right, moving away from uh, extreme violence, as we often tend to ponder down in the podcast. Oh, I need to, I need, uh, like Newcastle, I need the Saudis to come in and uh, buy this podcast. I need new equipment. I've, I've never known a, a, a mic stand boom arm to be as bloody squeaky as this one, let me tell you. But we um, need to get some new bits and balls, man. We need to get the podcast sound a little bit crisper. I think you know the dulcet tones of uh, of of Gibbo. We'll we'll do it eventually. We'll get some bits and bobs in. Maybe, maybe Santa, maybe Santa Claus, the fat bastard, will bring us uh, some new bits and pieces. Anyway, as always, we digress. Um, what I was going to say. I was in Newcastle, uh, actually, oddly, um, visiting the Saudis. No, I am I am amazed at that whole situation. If you don't know, if you're not a sports person, what do you, you know, how do you fill your time? What makes you happy? I don't get people who who are no into football. Other sports, all right, they're, they're shit. But, but soccer, God damn it, what a game. Um, you may or may not be aware, the Saudis, that's right, our, our favourite uh, human rights activists, the Saudi Arabians, uh, have bought Newcastle United. Um, they, they have been drawn by the... Do you know what? It's actually a good move, right? Because he, here's the thing about it, right? See if ISIS... If ISIS got themselves together, right? Or maybe no ISIS because they're, they're, a, they're a bad branch of the Taliban. But see if the Taliban got themselves together, right? and squared up Afghanistan, and started legitimately selling heroin and the poppies and everything else, right, and their lithium or whatever else they've got under the fucking desert, right, find dinosaur bones or whatever it is that they find, and and the Taliban turn Afghanistan around and Afghanistan becomes the new Dubai, right, and Afghanistan is thriving, and the Taliban, 10 years down the line, you know, you've got influencers going out to Kabul, you know, and the Helmand's province, and they're doing TikTok. This is where my dad lost his legs 25 years ago. Hey, make sure you buy Squarespace for your website domain name. <laughs> this is where my dad... <laughs> this is where my dad and his friends drove over an IED and he lost four of his fingers. Make sure you subscribe and like this post. <laughs> That's the future that the Taliban want. Sc scantily clad fucking influencers jumping about the streets of Helmand province saying, hey, do you want a nice new pair of me undies? 
Well, make sure you like and subscribe. Hit the bell. <laughs> anyway, there'll always be that final hurdle. You know, where people just only were, I can't forgive the bastards for what they did. There'll that be that final hurdle. And what better way to ingratiate yourself into the Western psyche than by buying a soccer team? If the Taliban were to get all their money together and they were to buy Manchester United, Tottenham, Chelsea, whatever. You know, Abramovich like, listen, I'm going back to Russia, man, to have caviar and get pissed on by classic hookers. He's off. Taliban come in with all that sweet heroin money. They buy Chelsea. Overnight! The, the, the idea of them would change. And I honestly think this is what the Saudis are doing. I think the Saudis are... I think the Saudis want to play ball. No, pardon the pun. Actually, I think they want to be involved. I think they see themselves as the America of the Middle East. I think they... Not that I'm saying they're, they're going to use their power for good. I'm just saying I think they want to be involved in everything. And I I think they're going about it the right way. Not, not in the sense of... You know, how they treat women or, or human rights records or fucking chopping up journalists. But again, how many times have I said it? I admire the Russians and the Chinese and you've got to probably put the Saudis into that bracket. Yes, they took a journalist into an Egyptian embassy. Yes, they chopped them up into little bits. Yes, they flushed them down the plug. And yes, everybody knows it was them. Has anything happened? No. And why has nothing happened? Because nobody's got the fucking balls to say to MBS, Listen, you bastard, you didn't bother. I, I, I know it's wrong. I do not condone it. I'm not saying you go there and chop people up. I'm just saying. Have, have we got to admire something that says, look, see if you keep writing this stuff about me, I'm going to chop you up into little bits. And they go, ha ha, very good. And then they write more stuff and they chop them up into little bits. I, I mean, I can't be the only one that thinks, maybe you should have listened. Anyway, what better way to, to tell the, the world <clears throat> that you are... You know, happy-go-lucky, free-thinking nation of people than by buying uh, a football soccer team uh, in the, the best and biggest league in the world, the uh, English Premiership. Uh, interestingly, that the <clears throat> the other 19 clubs are now apparently kicking off, uh, which I find a little bit strange. Um, because there was, there, there, there's a lot, obviously there's a lot of questionable money that... that flows through, you know, world football, not just the Premiership. And I, I think I think the reason why the other 19 clubs are so angry or against this <clears throat> is simply because they do not have that money. I think, I really honestly think that's it. I, I, I think that Everybody seems to forget very quickly the, the, the six who tried to break away to form that European League. You know, and now they're in a position where literally no one else can compete with this level of money. I mean, we look at the, the, the money that goes through Manchester City and staggering amount of wealth. Everybody tells the famous story when the uh, when they bought the club, the Sheikhs bought the club. And people were trying to get some kind of information out of them at the start. This is right back at the start when the deal was done. Nobody knew anything about the sheikhs that were coming in uh, in the Emiratis. Not, not, no idea about them. What was behind it, the money involved, not a clue. <clears throat> and they contacted the offices of the trading company to try and get some information from them. And as, as far as I know, the story I was told, I was a respected news journalist and the response that came back was we do not comment on acquisitions under 500 million now, that's the that's the level of wealth that you're dealing with back then we do not comment on acquis business acquisitions under 500 million that's like you coming in for your night out do you know and your missus like going well Where's all the money at the joint account? I do not comment on business acquisitions under £16. Thank you very much. £500 million. 
right? Staggering wealth. You now have a group of people in charge of a football team with a reported wealth of $320 billion. $320 billion. I, I, I had to laugh at a, an image that was going around on social media, and it was the, the top 10 wealthiest owners in the Premiership. And you had the Saudis, obviously number one, three hundred twenty billion. The next one down from that was like forty billion, and it went down to the Glazers at like four billion. You had um, the guy, I don't know his name at Liverpool, Fenway Sports, and he was like fourteen billion. And you're going through that, going, yeah, this fucking dick's only got fourteen billion. <laughs> fourteen billion. This is this is a, the the level of wealth we're talking about now, where we are mocking people who only have fourteen billion. 14 billion of a lot the poor bastard how does he get a bed in the morning he's only got 14 billion bet he can't chop up journalists in a fucking Egyptian embassy <laughs> a staggering staggering amount of wealth is about to come in an English game now the 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 situation with football ourselves, I imagine, it has probably been at a tipping point for quite some time. Yes, we're talking about football, and I know a lot of you're going to switch off, but hey, you know, we're we're going down this rabbit hole, man. The salaries in the Premiership and English game, shocking. The the clubs that are uh, in the pyramid below, we're seeing more and more either go out of business, go out of administration, or you're seeing. Large clubs with large fan bases, long history, being taken out of the football league altogether. It is becoming a, a, a almost a, a, a vast split between the Premiership and the rest of the pyramid in English football. There was an there was an interesting thing said the other day actually when it was talking about the distribution of wealth throughout the game, and it was saying that the reason why they have things called a parachute payment is in relation to that fall from the Premiership down to the Championship is so vast that you almost need a parachute so you don't die. They want to try and reduce that gap so that it is a step, so then you don't need a parachute to save you from a fall from a step. I, I quite like that analogy when I was listening to it. So the Saudis coming in, there's going to be a staggering amount of money. I think initially... First transfer window into next summer. I think there's going to obviously be a lot of movement in Newcastle. I imagine the the city themselves uh, will see great differences. There'll, there'll probably be a lot of business now coming out of Newcastle. Newcastle is probably going to be the the northern powerhouse that Manchester thought it, it would become. And I like Newcastle. It's good people. They've got a great sense of humour, man. They're, they're probably the most Scottish of all English people. Hard working. They're just like us. They get really shit weather, <laughs> you know. Everybody likes a piss up and a fight. I, I I don't know what attracted the Saudis to Newcastle. It was probably the the passion for football in the city, the history of the club. Uh, I imagine certainly the size of the stadium and the fan base they have, and probably that guy that punched a police horse. That was probably the deal breaker, you know. They were probably looking at a couple of clubs, and then somebody went, uh, Your Eminency, we have a news story here that uh, someone from a Newcastle fan base uh, punched their horse, and he went, Bye! <laughs> what was it attracted you to Newcastle, MBS? Well, some mad journey cunt that fucking roundhouse kicked a horse right in the chops, and I thought, That's the club for me! <laughs> We took a trip to Newcastle and we saw two men and two women wrestling Greco-style in the street and then somebody head-butted a police squirrel and we thought, fuck it, we've landed. <laughs> oh, Newcastle, the Saudi Arabia of England. So it's going to be big changes, insane, insanity. I think I think they're actually going to do it, do it right. I, I know there's been a lot of people talking about you know, putting together like a, a fantasy championship manager team, but I, I think they're going to do it right. Uh, from from what I can understand, the people who they've put in place to manage the club, because obviously the Saudis aren't directly involved in it. They've bought it. It'll be their club. They're going to turn up. You know, in the in the good dress and the dish dash, they'll be sitting in the in the director's box. You know, the 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 Geordies will be going absolutely mental. It'll be, it'll be good banter. If it was going to happen to any club. If the Saudi Arabians were going to come in and buy any club, 
Newcastle's probably the right fit because the Jollies have got the right sense of humour to deal with this kind of carry on and no matter what happens they're not going to change you know and in an odd way it's it's completely different from City because Newcastle have a history of not prolonged success but certainly they have a history of challenging and a history of winning things winning things so to see them return to the top echelon of English football it wouldn't be such a shock. It's going to be it's going to be mental, man. Three hundred million takeover uh, at Newcastle, absolute pennies for them. Article here from the Independent was this saying uh, Danny Rogers, good name for a sports journalist. Uh, those people dismissing Saudi Arabia's takeover of Newcastle United as a football story. Uh, underrated significance is a huge business story, political and one with PR brands and reputations at its core. Saudis and their consortium spent 300 million buying the Northern Club and will have to invest hundreds of millions to revive it. But what are they really buying? At face value, they are purchasing a great sports brand. The distinctive black and white magpies have a romantic history, correct? Thanks to the accomplishments of Jackie Milburn, Kevin Keegan, Bobby Robson. Uh, moreover, this unique Geordie city has a famously large, passionate and loyal fan base. It's, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, <clears throat> but I think I am right in saying that Newcastle is only one. I'm trying to think if there's any other. It's basically the one of only a few, let's just say that, cities which have one football team. So, for example... Newcastle only has Newcastle, like Glasgow has Rangers Celtic, Liverpool has Liverpool Everton, London has Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Watford, Reading, uh, you know, the list goes on. Manchester, Manchester United, Manchester City. Um, You know, there are usually one or two sports teams within a city, whereas Newcastle is just Newcastle. There's no other team. So the fan base, the passion, everybody in the city is Newcastle. Uh, the Saudi owners also revive the city of Newcastle as Man City's owners, the Abu Dhabi royal family, have with the parts of the city. Local communities and influential people in the UK's political and financial world will look more favourably on the Middle Eastern country. <clears throat> Saudi, Arabia, Saudi Arabia presently has a poor reputation among such influencers thanks to a lenity of human rights abuses in the Torres in 2018. The murder of Ka, uh, Kamal Khashoggi, a Washington Post journalist, Critical of a Saudi when it was chopped up in an Egyptian uh, embassy. Oh, nothing really said about the Egyptians in this one. Uh, a period of successful involvement in Newcastle would no doubt improve Saudi's reputation all, around the world. Of course it was, I don't know what I'm saying. What what better way to get yourself into the psyche of, you know, day-to-day thinking that completely change someone's mindset on horrific, horrific human rights policy, the way in which they treat women, the way in which they treat their own people what better way to get around that than buying a football team, and that's so cynical of me to say, but that's fucking what it is uh, the Saudi Crown Prince is said to have directly lobbied Boris Johnson about his shatty cell when that email came in when Saudi's first approach 18 months ago also uh, was rejected by the Premier League, things were subsequently smoothed over you, you may have heard this thing is Ben Sports, B-E-I-N Ben Sports is the uh, the official um, partner of the Premier League in the Middle East. So sometimes in the old days when you would get like a dodgy box or you've been like some kind of shit pub in Kilmarnock and it would be like BN Sports on the TV and you're like, who the fuck are they getting the Liverpool game man this time? They would get a dodgy signal, right? So when the first um, attempt at the takeover was shut down by the government and by the Premier League, the the Saudis in the Middle East basically banned BN Sports and then just pirated the signal. <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got to admire it, you know, in a way because th- these these people who are take the British government for example and even the Premiership themselves, they're saying no to the Saudis initially, you know, because of the way in which it would look with their human rights, the way the money comes from, questioning the wealth, blah 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 blah. As if they are whiter than white themselves, as if they have never done anything ethically wrong. Not that I'm saying 
the Premier League, the Premiership, has the same human rights uh, atrocities as the Saudis. But could you say that about the British government? I fucking think not. We've just been killing the Afghans for 20 years. And their own bloody people, the Tory bastards. So, they, they, they don't want them in the Premiership. They're not going to allow the Premiership in the Saudis. But people in Saudi still want to watch their games. So what will we do? We'll just ban them and then we'll pirate the films, uh, the, the games ourselves. Brilliant. So that's obviously <clears throat> was the first move for the Saudis. You may have seen that news article in which BN Sports was now brought back in. The piracy was removed. Everything's hunky-dory. And then within a matter of what weeks, the takeover happened. Uh, the takeover last week and the communication since have involved lots of investment and expertise. The consortium is using the former Sunday Times business editor Ian Day, now managing director at PR giant Elderman. On the deal is also employed sports finance communication specialist David Bick. So far, this reputational strategy has been a success. First, the deal actually went through. Second, because Newcastle fans have welcomed the new owners with open arms. I mean, they've done so because of Mike Ashley. Again, that's that's another one that's got to be questioned as well because as much as Newcastle fans hate, I mean with a passion, hate Mike Ashley, you, you've got to think that the reason why the takeover was probably so smooth and the reason why the rebuild and the success will be so smooth, yes, there is a, a staggering amount of wealth there, but it's a club that is in no debt. Newcastle has no fat on it, not one pound of debt exists within that club because Mike Ashley has made the mistake of coming in and running Newcastle like a business and not like a football team. That that seems to be his only crime. He ran it like a business and not a football team. A very, very, very successful businessman. Very successful businessman. Continues to be so. I don't think he'll stop until he owns every fucking shop in the high street. That, that seems to be his goal. But he's left that club with arguably one of the most financially stable football teams on the planet. So now the Saudis come in. <clears throat> the problem with them might be how long before the Saudis are bored? Will it be an endless money pit? But again, they have so much wealth that it literally could be an endless money pit. Who knows? Um, I don't even know why we started talking about Saudi about Newcastle because I was going to talk about McDonald's, which we will talk about now. I um, so we were in Newcastle the weekend. My my missus, the good lady, her sister and brother-in-law live in Newcastle. The Geordies, and uh, oh God, sorry, that was a terrible yawn. Be honest with me, how many of you are now yawning after I have yawned? Um, drove down Newcastle to see uh, our nieces, the, the wee one, is three uh, today, actually. And drove down uh, from Edinburgh, you know, 15 minutes in the car, uh, what is it, two and a half hours or something like that, and got, anyway, got there, went for a McDonald's. I don't like to turn up to somebody who's hungry, right? <laughs> because... Yes, they're family, but there's still there's still something that awkward bit of, you know, you're like, do you want some? You know why I put people out, right? So you get a quick, a wee quick burger, nothing, nothing major, quick burger, wee drink, and then you rock up, you know, and you're you're relaxed, you're fine, you have a laugh, ha 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 ha, and then you have your dinner at night, whatever, right? So anyway, went there. Now, interestingly, conversation come up um, with me and the missus about McDonald's, right, and specifically about. Ronald McDonald. Now, I had not realised that Ronald McDonald was gone. I hadn't realised it. Some of you may not have either, or some of you may be completely aware of it. Totally removed. You will find no reference to Ronald McDonald in McDonald's anymore. None whatsoever. You won't see his image. You won't see um, pictures of him. You, you won't see him even in, in Happy Meals. There's no reference to him whatsoever. And, interestingly enough, almost as if they were listening, I, I found an article written by, on, on Vice by a, a, a journalist called Am Amelia Tate about the death of Ronald McDonald. Now, almost exactly what the, the missus had told me, that this all stopped around the time of, do you remember when we were having these 
killer clown sightings in America, and then it came over to the UK. So, like, people were dressing up as the it clown and killer clowns and just scaring the shit out of people, right? Just, like, walking towards their house. or Now, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but there may have been occasions, probably in America, where I think people were actually killed by them. I don't know, right? Somebody may have been dressed as a clown, uh, with a gun or a samurai sword, I'd go samurai sword, and, and just fucking shot people or chopped. I don't know. But at that time when that kind of killer crowd, clown, ease of you to say, craze was happening, is around about the same time that they removed Ronald McDonald. But the plot thickens. And it just goes to show the power of McDonald's. Again, money, wealth, fear, extreme violence. No one is discussing it. No one is talking about why he was removed. And people who have been official Ronald McDonald's, employed by McDonald's in America, will not even speak of it. It's it's a it's quite a long article. I'm not going to read the whole thing. We're just going to take bits from it. If you want to read it, go to vice.com uh, or just simply type in the death of Ronald McDonald's vice and you'll find it. Uh, Amelia Tate is the, the journalist. So it's in here, 1934, Ronald McDonald was born, uh, second old, oldest hospital in Virginia. Obviously not the, the character, the person who first played Ronald McDonald, uh, a gentleman called Willard Scott. Um, he uh, debuted on television as Ronald McDonald, the hamburger happy clown after Scott retired from his role as a radio DJ in 1965, number of other actors filled the yellow lace boots, alternatively apprehending the ham burglar and visiting sick kids in the UK. Sorry, in the UK, Ronald never seemed quite as popular as in the US, but could still buy an official Ronald McDonald wristwatch for £2.40 in 1986. In 2003, he starred in a couple of comic books that came free with Happy Meals. Interesting that... We, obviously we all know Ronald McDonald, right? But he never really was that popular in, in the UK. And and I'll, 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 I'll give you my idea on it. If you had a birthday party in America and Ronald McDonald would turn up at the McDonald's, the, the person who was in that suit, I would argue 99.999% of the time would be American. So he's going to make it a wonderful, happy experience for your child and the whole family. Whereas if you had a birthday party in a, you know, Scottish, English, a British McDonald's, 99.99999% of the time, the person who is in that suit is going to be a work-shy, lazy, possibly drunk, hungover, bastard cunt, British McDonald's employee. It's not going to be the same experience. Is that why it never took off? Who knows? Um, this is where it gets interesting. On the topic of uh, Ronald McDonald, the official McDonald's website declares, we're afraid that Ronald McDonald no longer appears in McDonald's UK advertising before adding that he still travels up and down the country to visit restaurants to make sure everyone is enjoying their meals. That sounds slightly terrifying. <laughs> that sounds a little creepy. <laughs> he no longer appears in, uh, in, in advertising but he does travel the UK let me make that very clear he does travel the UK making sure that everyone enjoys their meals <laughs> that's like somebody sitting at a McDonald's taking a bite of a burger and going oh that is shit man and then just Ronald McDonald slides in what did you say cunt wanna play a game <laughs> what you up to these day Ron I just travel up and down the UK, mate, making sure the cunts are enjoying their dinner. What if they don't enjoy it? I'll make sure they enjoy it. <laughs> Ronald McDonald, skin your hand job under the table while you have a strawberry milkshake. Uh, McDonald's UK press office declined to elaborate on the reasons for the clown's departure, but clarified Ronald hasn't appeared in any UK advertising since 2014. Now, I did not think it was as long ago as that. This includes any appearances in restaurants. When pressed for an, an explanation, the press officer replied, I'm afraid we don't have anything further to add. Now, why would you not just come out and say that the reason why... Or just make up a story, just have a reason why they don't do it. Whether it be 
they don't want it to, you know, they don't want fast food to, maybe they don't want to appeal to children anymore, but then they've changed all their, their marketing to make it still a destination for children. I think they're just adding to the story by not clarifying the reasons for it. Um, you go on further in the article, says, what happened in 2014 exactly to make Ronald um, disappear? In 2016, McDonald's announced that Ronald would be taking a step back because of the year's global cre creepy clown sightings with two Coventry clowns even chasing children across a park. Now, that's genius, man. Why did, why did McDonald's not take the 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 scary clown situation in 2016 right when it came to the UK because again they've shown in the past that not all marketing works the same British people don't think like Americans Americans don't think like Europeans so why not change it up I guarantee you this see if McDonald's in the UK at that time in 2016 when people were dressing up as clowns and chasing wains or fucking terrifying cunts in their gardens See if McDonald's had made Ronald McDonald into a scary clown. Like, if they'd started a, a marketing campaign where Ronald McDonald and the clown from It formed, like, a mad gang and then opened, like, an, an adult... Not an adult-themed... Hello! Like, an, an, an adult-themed restaurant, you know, where you could be sitting having a burger and, like, a terrifying fucking Ronald McDonald would steam out of the back. <laughs> like, people would go... People would go along that for a night. That would be that would be a great stag do. <laughs> you imagine saying, "What have you got planned, Franco?" Right, we're going to McDonald's. Are you fucking serious? Aye, but it's a different kind of McDonald's. You go in, adults only, no wains, and it's just a normal McDonald's restaurant. You sit and you have a burger, and then maybe the lights go down, maybe fake blood comes out the wall, and Ronald comes out like a scary clown and scares the absolute shit out of people. I think that would have been a far better thing to do. Oh. Uh, McDonald's are mindful of the current uh, climate around clown sightings in the communities. This is back uh, a statement back in 2016. And as such are being thoughtful with respect to Ronald McDonald's participation in community events for the time being. Uh, that was an official statement from McDonald's Corporation back in 2016, but Ronald McDonald had already disappeared from UK advertising a whole two years earlier. Now, the other theories around it are from the uh, documentary Super Size Me, in which they are, they were concerned at the time as to how the, the image was coming across and that he was starting to be phased out. And that's at the same time when McDonald's started to try and make themselves like a healthy restaurant where they had salads and they would tell you like how much sugar was in stuff and salt and bullshit and what not. Interesting that from this article is they have got, uh, they've referenced a few a few books which have been written by uh, people who played Ronald McDonald way back in the start, which I think is fucking mind-blowing. Again, any fucker can write a book. Um, attempts to get in the bottom of the mystery demonstrate that while Ronald has left our scenes, he looms large in our memories. One media man who worked on McDonald's UK advertising for three years, simply said, I don't fancy being sued by a clown. <clears throat> AJ, an LA-based former Ronald, who wrote apparently the official rule book for playing the character, don't hug kids, pat them on the back, said, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to talk about the situation. The co-author of a 1972 rule book named Ronald and Howe, which warned Ronalds to never tell children that hamburgers are made of cows, also declined to speak noting that he no longer has a copy of the book after returning his materials to McDonald's upon his retirement. That is mental. Whatever you do... <laughs> Any advice on playing Ronald? Right, first of all, do not touch kids, rule number one. Rule number two, do not tell them that the burgers are made from cows. Other than that, you're good to go. <laughs> don't touch the kids, don't scare the kids. Okay. <laughs> Mad. I wonder if he'll ever make an appearance. I wonder if they'll ever bring him back. I just thought it was interesting. Like, it's one of those things that you you, you know that... It, it, what I'm trying to say is, I was fully aware that Ronald McDonald had been phased out by McDonald's, but it wasn't until 
someone said it to me or told me that he's gone that I actually kind of, you know, a light bulb came on and went, oh yes, yeah, he's actually he's actually been removed. He's gone, man. They've they've Kevin Spacey them. They've just fucking ripped him right out. The article goes on to talk about uh, people who are obsessed by Ronald McDonald, the work that he's done in the past. There was a charity set up, Ronald McDonald House, uh, by McDonald's, which helps sick children. Um, but it's quite an interesting wee article. Um, like I said, go to Vice. Uh, the death of Ronald McDonald by uh, Amelia Tate. I wonder if you. Like, like I say, I wonder if he'd ever come back. If there'll be a situation when they would bring Ronald McDonald back again. I do think they missed a they missed a trick. I really do. I think when that whole killer clown thing was happening, I think they should have branched off and set up like a killer clown restaurant where it's just like people in fancy dress looking horrible serving you and Ronald McDonald comes out and just gives a shout out to people. That would have been absolutely brilliant. But who knows? Ronald, uh, I was going to say many happy times spent in your company. I, I don't really know. There you go. Right, uh, music. Oh, I mean, we could not have timed that better. Music is on. Um, share the podcast. Subscribe. Listen. Join the Patreon. New episodes on a Sunday, every Wednesday. And uh, yeah, that's it. Check uh, the website, bigsellgibson.com, for live dates. And uh, I'll see you all soon. Uh, wash your hands and your arsehole. And I'll see you in the bathroom. Take care. Almost. <laughs>